Welcome back to Impactful Experiences. This is your host, Sierra Ty Brownlee, and today I am joined with, by Jeremy Brown, current development manager at Front Street Capital Management. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. All right, let's hop right in. And would you be willing to share your impactful experience? Yeah, totally. I'd be happy to. So um, first of all, you know a little bit about what we do at Front Street. We invest in companies that uh, empower their employees to make decisions. And we feel like that's um, the best way to predict success for the types of companies that we look at are, mm-hmm. you know, do they uh, do they trust their employees? Do they um, have uh, faith in them that they can not only make decisions um, that are impactful to the company, but also, um, you know, are they willing to allow their employees to make mistakes in order to go through the learning process of getting better and better at making decisions? So um, it's a cool uh, kind of angle that we take on investing and it's uh, a super fun job because we when we go out and interview companies and look for companies we're like looking for them like you know how are people treated how do people feel how mm-hmm. uh, you know how cool are the cultures we don't have to worry so much about um, some of the other nuts and bolts of uh, you know um, you know product mix or you know certain financial metrics we look at culture so it's super fun um so we'll i'll I'll kind of lay the groundwork by by kind of giving you that um you know background on uh how we view uh how we view you know uh um the empowerment of kind of Mm -hmm. the lowest level frontline employees and that's kind of all you know sets up the the impactful experience that that I um, that I remember and that kind of um, the experience that that you know first started getting me thinking about this kind of stuff. So uh, as you also know, I'm a soccer coach. Yes. And I have for a long time coached lots of different levels of both boys and girls soccer, from you know five and six year olds and eight and ten year olds all the way up to high school and and even college players. Mm-hmm. Um, and teams. Um, But one particular experience I had, I think was like one of the most memorable for me, um, was when I was coaching at the U16 level, which is 16 year olds, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I was, I was coaching in a tournament in Seattle, kind of a regional tournament. And I was coaching 18-year-old boys and my buddy was coaching the 16-year-old team uh-huh. and he had to leave early for I think it was a semifinal or a championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good tournament, big tournament, uh, lots of good teams and th- this team had done quite well. It was a really good team stacked with lots of talented players. Yeah, and um, And so he asked if I could take over for this one game. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's, that's no problem. So I, uh, and I knew a lot of the kids on the team and, um, and had worked with them before and, uh, and I thought it was going to be a fun experience. So I, uh, so I started coaching this game and the team was doing really, really well. And like I said, lots of really good players, a lot of players that ended up going on and playing in college later in their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of talent. They uh, they were playing against a very good team. It was a really even game. 
Um, and the team I was coaching uh, from Missoula, Montana, uh, went up 1-0 and then went up 2-0. Mm-hmm. And um, we were getting late in the game and we were winning and yeah. it looked like we were we were going to like, you know, I forget again, I think it might have been a semifinal game. It looks like we were going to go to the championship. Yeah. And uh, and there was this kid on the team who didn't really play that much and was a pretty weak player. And on the team you were coaching? On the team that I was coaching. Okay. And I didn't really know this kid very well. Um, I hadn't... Um, I hadn't coached him as much because, you know, being one of the weaker players, he, you know, he, you know, I, you know, he wasn't kind of on my radar and he Mm -hmm. never, you know, played up and, and trained with my 18 year old team. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I knew that, you know, I knew that I, I needed to get this kid into the game Mm -hmm. and he was the weakest player on the team. And, uh, to be completely honest, probably one of the weakest players that I had ever coached or ever seen. Okay. And certainly, you know, must have been the weakest player on the field and, you know, from either of the two teams. And um, I was just fretting about kind of where am I going to put this kid? Mm-hmm. We're winning against a good team. We have a really good team. But this kid is, you know, um, kind of notably weaker than everyone else. Okay. And... When you do that in soccer, sometimes you try to like hide someone on the wing or something like that. Like, let's put him far away from the goal when I put him in and on the side so that we can build around, you know, in other areas of the field, but not on his area of the field. Mm-hmm. And um, and we'll kind of just hide him out there. So it must have been like the last 15, 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, I need to put this kid in. I need to put this kid in. He hasn't played all game. Um, So I finally was like, okay, let's let's we'll put him in on the um, on the left wing. I remember this vividly. Okay. And so I put him in on the left wing and like literally within one minute of subbing this guy onto the field, he got beat very badly by the player that he was playing against and that created a 2v1 situation with the next guy and the team capitalized on it and they scored and I was like oh man this is this is not good but yeah you know like not a big deal whatever we'll recover so five minutes later same exact thing happens this kid has the ball gives the ball away gets beat by his player and by his his opponent and uh and they create and they outnumber us on that side and they flood that side and they score. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is not happening. Like, yeah, I, I really want this kid to succeed and to feel good and um, and to part, be able to participate. But I also don't want all the rest of the um, of the players to like get mad at him or to get mad at me or to get mad at each other or to um, miss this opportunity to do really well. And uh, and and I can't remember if there was a third goal on his side or not, but um, but that's really not the point of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I what I do remember is that um, this kid was was quite weak, and I was so worried about um, about this experience that we would plug him in, and he would really kind of ruin it for the rest of the team, or that. Um, that I couldn't find a way to put him in in a way that um, that didn't have a negative impact. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I felt bad for him and I felt bad for the team and um, and it was a bummer um, but I forgot about it and I moved on and I assume everyone moved on um, until a, uh, a couple years later when he was uh, either a year or two years older yeah and then he came to to play on my 18 year old team yeah so I, he you know uh, so as a 17 year old he came to play on my 18 year old team and he had gotten a whole heck of a lot better okay. and he his skills were better and he had grown some and he was more athletic and and I remember thinking like wow this kid that you know could like barely run and couldn't kick a ball very well yeah. all of a sudden a year or two later is like getting pretty good. He must have been working really hard mm -hmm. at, you know, practicing in the game and stayed with it. And he didn't let, you know, um, any situation, including my situation with him, he didn't let those kind of get him down. And he, he continued to, to stick with it and stick with it. So he played for me um, when he was 17. And, uh, and he got better and better and better. And mm -hmm. he just worked so hard and tried really hard. And he kept with it and he you know he enjoyed the game um and uh and he never like worried about the mistakes he made he just used those to f to make him better like i i wasn't good at doing this this time i'm gonna continue to practice it and try to get better and better mm -hmm. um so then i had him for his second year of eight of 18 year old soccer yeah so uh and by his second year he was phenomenally good he was one of the best players in the state he had turned into this big kind of strong athletic uh skillful um uh composed center defender mm -hmm. and he just dominated games and he was one of our he was one of the best players on our team um yeah. if not the best player on our team and he uh like i said was one of the better players in the state and mm. um he he turned into uh the type of player that could have definitely gone and played in college he decided not to he had his heart set on a particular school he wanted to go to didn't really have the interest of playing soccer yeah. at that school um and that was fine but had he wanted to go you know to a, a different school or a different soccer program or have had he wanted to play in a, a collegiate soccer program, he for sure could have done it. And so mm -hmm. the, the point of the story is that over a three year period, essentially, he went from being, let's call it the worst player in the state, not being able not being able to, you know, to to adequately play a ball. Yeah. Um, to being one of the very best players in the state uh -huh. um, and uh, completely dominating. Yeah. And it was, it was a, a, you know, from, from his perspective, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of persistence. He stuck with the game that he liked. He felt like he was going to get better and better. He did get better and better, and mm -hmm. everything turned out great. He had a phenomenal, ended up having a phenomenal career. From my perspective... It was like this wake up call to me, like, hey, you, when when you look at someone that's doing something and you think to yourself, they're either good at it or they're bad at it. Yeah. That's only like so, so much of a fraction, like so, such a fraction of the story. 
And since then, I've I've you know been exposed to this idea of growth mindset or mm-hmm. mindset theory, um, and I've uh, I've you know since then kind of. Uh, come into this job where like our whole livelihood is based around trying to figure out um, which companies and which organizations have have in place systems where they can empower people to grow and get better and better Mm -hmm. and um, and as you know Sierra we definitely have this idea that like every single person within the organization has something not only do they have something that they can bring to the organization that's valuable mm-hmm. in and of themselves but they also have this ability to grow and flourish and and if you set up the right system to foster someone's development they can turn into something really special yeah um and so i never of course like fostered any particular type of system i was lucky that i met this kid who had it within himself to just continue to persevere even when other people thought oh no you know he's never he's not gonna make it he's not good enough Mm -hmm. um and uh i was so lucky that i was able to see this kid like on both ends of the spectrum and and really flourish and and develop and it made a big impact on me because um, because now whenever we talk about this theory of, well, you've got to have, you know, you've got to put trust in your employees. You've got to let them make mistakes. You've mm-hmm. got to create a culture of, um, of impunity, we would call it, which sounds bad, like a culture of impunity, meaning you can do whatever you want without <laughs> getting punished. But really, that's what we look for. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can make mistakes. You can try things. And you won't get punished if they don't work out. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of culture that we look for. Like now we're, um, uh, I'm in this this environment where that's a marker for success. If everyone in the organization mm-hmm. is allowed to develop, make mistakes, work through things that are hard, come back and try again and try to figure out a way to do it better. If you can get everyone in your organization to be able to do that and have a culture where that's um, where that's encouraged, then everyone gets better and better and better and better. And they all yeah. flourish and develop. And if everyone in your organization is even a little bit better, mm-hmm. then your whole organization is a lot better. Yeah, and definitely. if and if you allow that to happen over time and if you allow people to develop and you believe in the true um, capabilities of people and not just like limited by what you see from them now, but you believe that people can develop, um, then you can create something that's way better than your wildest expectations. And of course, when you're investing in companies and they are get way better than their wildest expectations, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yes. Um, so, so for us, it's, it's vitally important to be able to identify these types of companies that have these types of systems that foster this, um, this development and allow people to be who they are and work through their problems and get better and better at doing what it is they want to do. Um, and so, so for me to have this experience that I've actually lived through where I've seen someone go from, um, you know, from, from one far end of the spectrum to the other far end of the spectrum, it just, it reinforces to me like this, um, this ability that humans have to, to really develop. And, and so it's easy for me then to like, 
whenever I see a system or whenever I see people or wherever I, whenever I might have doubts about whether this works, I can just go back to this, this kind of, um, you know, epiphany that I had when, as I watched this kid develop and, Mm -hmm. um, and it's easy for me to like have faith that, that, you know, that, that this type of culture can, and this type of development, um, you know, does actually work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Um, did this happen kind of when you were starting at Front Street? So it happened actually before Front Street, um, which is cool. And uh, because I got to see it firsthand before I even um, got to be in the position where, oh, yeah, we're going to invest in these type of companies. So mm-hmm. I, my, I think my eyes were wide open when I got to Front Street or when I you know, when I was introduced to Front Street Capital about um, about how they do things, my eyes were already open to this idea that like, look, people can totally get better and better and better. Yeah. And you, to write someone off, you know, uh, before they've had a chance to go through, you know, a learning and, dev- and and before they've had a chance to struggle and before they've had a chance to overcome that struggle and then take what they've learned from overcoming that struggle and then apply it to the next thing and allow them to, you know, develop in that way. Um, my eyes were wide open to that possibility already. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so when I, you know, when I was kind of introduced to this idea uh, through Front Street of like how they invested and yeah. how, you know, and then when I came on board and I was the one that was helping analyze these <laughs> investments, like. It, it enabled me to kind of embrace that idea even a little more than I, than I otherwise would have. Because again, I got to see it firsthand. It was like it was easy for me to see. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know that that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That is so cool. Yeah, it was it was super cool. Do you think that this kind of is something that um, maybe people or you needed to see firsthand? Because before someone i don't know maybe has this kind of experience they might hear like yeah people can change and develop so much but i think maybe a lot of people um using your example back when this kid was younger and was not one of the strong players i they probably thought he would stay that way um a hundred percent yeah everyone thinks that right that's that's like there's this idea of the growth mindset theory right which is that um, that if that there are certain types of people who believe or certain people believe that um, talent is inherent in your person. You know, I have the inherent talent to be a great basketball player. I have the inherent talent to be a great violinist. I have the inherent talent to be a really good investor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then there's another group of people um, so the the first group would be called fixed mindset thinking. Mm-hmm. And there's another group of people, the growth mindset thinkers, that think that uh, talent is something that you develop over time by practicing and by struggling and by um, trying to get better. And uh, and there's no question that there are some people that are you know uh, that have a leg up in terms of their ability to do something. There are some people that are more athletic than other people. That are there are some people that you know have a better ear for music than other people. There are some people who ha- are more dexterous with their you know fingering of the 
uh-huh. of the violin or something than others. Um, but it's but it also I think has been proven uh, again and again through lots of research that people that believe that they are either talented or not talented tend not to develop as much as people who believe that they have a particular amount of talent but can add to it. Um, And so, um, and so like you get these really, really smart people, smart kids, especially like in school, a lot of the studies are done in school. You get a bunch of like these really smart kids that are told that they're really smart and then they become afraid to fail because they think that they, you know, need to be smart and they can't fail. Um, and they can't, uh, displease the people that have come to believe that they are smart. Mm -hmm. And so they don't try new things. And so because they don't try new things and they don't struggle and they're not willing to go through the process of failure, they don't learn as much. And because they don't learn as much, they end up not being as smart. (laughs) Whereas you get these kids that are like, you know, that, that know that they fail and that they're not the smartest kid in the room and that's okay. And they're willing to try things because they're willing to make mistakes because they have nothing to lose because no one is, uh, you know, no one is uh, holding them up to be the kid that will never make a mistake. Yeah. And uh, and those types of kids tend to grow and develop much more uh, and be much more successful going forward. So the best thing you could be is have lots of natural talent and understand that that's just a starting point and that you can grow and grow and grow. That's great. But not all of us are there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so what we look for, um, again, back to what I do in my day job, what we look for is systems where it doesn't matter if you're talented or not talented or you have a high IQ or a low IQ. All of that stuff is irrelevant. What's relevant is does the system reward you for trying and does it punish you for failing? If it rewards you for trying, that's great. Mm-hmm. If it punishes you for failing, that's really, really bad. We don't want that. Yeah. So can you create a system where people are rewarded for trying, not punished for failing, and then you can hire you know, the smartest person in the world or you can hire um, you know, the person with the lowest IQ in the world. Either way, they will continue to get better and better and that's mm-hmm. what's most important. It doesn't matter like, there's a there's a, a lot of theories out there, right? A lot of management theories that say you got to hire the best and the brightest, and if you do that, you will succeed. Mm-hmm. And the companies that we look for, they're not they don't subscribe to that. Of course, they want people that can contribute to their culture. Yeah. So they want people that fit into the culture because of their personality or because you know they want to hire growth mindset people. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter if they're super smart or not super smart. What matters is are they willing to try. Are they willing to struggle? Are they willing to learn through that struggle? And are we, the managers, willing to give them the opportunity to be accountable for something that impacts the organization and allow them to run with it and allow them to struggle with it and allow them to fail? And then we all learn from that failure and we all get better. Mm -hmm. And if they succeed, great, we'll all get better. And if they fail, great, we'll all get better. And over time, we'll be better and better and better, and we'll see a lot more successes and a lot less failures because we have this ability to, um, to fail and to allow people to fail and to allow people to grow. Yeah, definitely. Um, something that you mentioned about, um, like you said, a lot of studies are done maybe in the academic setting with where students 
might be constantly like told they're smart so then they don't want to try and fail um but then how do you think like a good balance is met when if a student is smart i think someone like ultimately will say like they're smart and they would know um so what do you think the balance would be yeah so yeah that so there's that's that's a question that comes up a lot when i listen to a lot of um kind of management theory books and presentations and a lot of it includes growth mindset um theory and the um the that's the like first question that always gets asked about this growth mindset stuff well are you telling me that i can't tell my kid they're smart like (laughs) that seems counterintuitive and the idea is that instead of assigning them a um uh assigning them a status you're smart or you're not smart you encourage them to uh, encounter and overcome problems. Hey, I really thought it was cool that you thought through that very difficult math concept and you ended up getting the right answer, which was great, but the most important part was that you thought through it and you struggled through it and you learned a lot. Mm -hmm. So the emphasis is not on being smart, the emphasis is on like learning and your willingness to learn. And yes, some kids will learn faster than other kids will. And you can reward those kids for their effort in learning, just like you can reward the slower kids for their effort in learning. And boy, if you have slow kids that are really trying hard and you have uh, you know, smarter kids that are really trying hard, that's great. I, and I shouldn't even use the word smarter because I'm getting back into that like fixed mindset. Yeah. Um, but if you have kids that get it, that are that understand the concept and they're trying hard to work through it and you have kids that are really struggling to understand the concept that are trying hard to work through it then you that's a win-win like you, that is the situation that you want that every kid on every part of the spectrum is really trying hard to work and develop and is not worried about whether they're perceived as smart or not they're worried about am i being encouraged to struggle and to work through this issue and to learn about work and to believe that at the end of this process i'm going to be better because of it Mm -hmm. maybe i'm going to be smarter but whatever it is i'm going to be better because i've worked through this process and then i want to do it again and i want to do it again and i want to do it again and i continue to work and work and work and get better and better and better And, and by the way um you know i might be really slow at say a math concept and you might be really fast at that math concept and we both have growth mindset and we can both work through it and we both are better at the end of it that's great Mm -hmm. um but i also might be really really good at something else i might be really good at you know putting together uh uh, a widget because i have that because i can see it in my mind and i can understand how it works and i might be better than you at it and so one of the other things that goes with the growth the growth mindset idea when it comes to us investing in companies is like not only is it everyone can get better which is totally important but also everyone has something to bring to the table everyone has a different skill set or a different um unique ability or a different exceptional ability that they can bring to the table and i really believe that that is true too like every single person that we meet that we deal with um, whether it's on the soccer field or whether it's you know going to visit a manufacturing company in Mm -hmm. pennsylvania doesn't matter every single person that we deal with does something really 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 well 
they might not all do the same things well yeah. and they might not do the thing really well that they're trying to do at that moment mm-hmm. um which makes them look dumb mm-hmm. um or not as smart but really they're really smart in some other way um yeah. and i truly believe that that is true um i i i uh I think that if you get an organization that embraces everyone's qualities and strengths, you're going to get a much stronger organization than someone than than an organization that wants everyone to be able to do a certain thing or in fact focuses on making their weaknesses better. You know, I'm weak at math, you're good at math. Well, let's teach me math so that I can get up to speed. Um we like organizations that like try to find what I'm good at and how can I get better and better and how can that organization exploit my talent yeah. um in a way that helps the the company. Mhm. Okay. Um I know that you've mentioned kind of Front Street and how you've taken this and also Front Street uses this same idea. But how do you think this idea maybe has applied to you in other aspects or maybe that experience? Yeah, definitely. Well, obviously as a coach, it totally applies. Um I'm now much more willing to to look at kids as a work in progress rather than oh this kid's good and this kid's not good. So mm-hmm. let's make a team of a bunch of good players and let's try to, you know, and let's not worry about the players that aren't good cuz you know, they're not going to go anywhere anyway. Um I'm definitely much more uh uh able and willing and also excited to explore like how can we make how can we take this kid's uh maybe he's not the best player at the moment yeah. but how can we take his level and try to figure out how to help him get better and better and better and put him in an environment where he feels good about what he's accomplishing on the field so mm-hmm. a lot of that might be might mean um you know I have a team right now and we've got very good players and we've got players that are like pretty brand new to the sport of soccer. Yeah. And um and so a lot of it is like creating an environment where the the goal during a practice or the objective during a practice is not necessarily like who scores more goals or who completes more passes without messing up. Yeah. The the objective is can you take a particular skill that you're working on and apply it in the training session so if one of my kids you know uh is trying to shoot the ball into the corner from 25 yards out mm-hmm. and he's that good that he can do that <laughs> and he's and he's trying to apply that skill in a training session and trying to get better at that that's great and if another kid on my team you know is learning how to pass the ball with the inside of his left foot 5 yards um because he's never done that before he's not good at it mm-hmm. he hasn't he hasn't mastered that that skill yet then that's his objective during training and everyone has an objective of what they're trying to do and then you overlay it with a culture of encouragement and you know and if they mess up if my kid messes up when he's passing the ball with his left foot cuz he's trying to work on getting better with his left foot yeah then it doesn't matter if he messes up and the other team steals it and scores a goal against them that's okay i i say celebrate him for trying the left foot so instead of putting him in a situation where like his team gets down on him or he gets reprimanded or he gets scolded for giving the ball away you celebrate him for trying to do what he was supposed to do to make him a better player 
Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, and it works with boys and girls. I just happen to have a boys team right now. But <laughs> when I have girls teams, it's the same thing, right? You yeah. tr- try to encourage um, uh, both boys and girls to to um, to work on uh, becoming better. And then, and again, and what is it that they're good at? Really try to help them work on getting better at what they're already good at, mm-hmm. right? If a kid is really good at shooting, let him shoot. If a kid is really good at dribbling, let him dribble. If a kid is, you know, trying is, you know, wants to be a good passer of the ball, let them pass the ball. And it's the same um, with my kids. You know, I have to, I have to be a little more diligent in making sure that I am trying to use growth mindset with my kids. Because yeah. a lot of times it's easy with your kids to like either believe that they're great or believe that they're just like uh-huh. deficient in some way. Um, my kid can't do that. Um, but uh, but one trick that I've that uh, you know that kind of is taught in the literature or, or you know if you watch videos on this one trick is to say the word yet after every sentence that you say when you're evaluating someone like I can't do that well I can't do that yet mm-hmm. uh, my kid isn't able to cook herself a meal like how's that even possible she's 12 years old how can she not cook herself a meal. <laughs> Well, the, the correct way to think about it is my kid is not able yet to cook herself a meal. Mm-hmm. So that means that like there is this room for growth, room for development that we allow our kids or we allow our employees or we allow ourselves. And it's almost probably most important for people to believe it about themselves. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so it definitely applies in literally every facet of life. <laughs> um, uh-huh. You know, when I'm thinking about myself, I am not good at, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm not good at that yet, but I can get good at that if I want. Yeah. If I practice and try and struggle. Um, my daughter is really good at, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. Well, she is now, but will she continue to get better? If I just tell her she's good now, then she has no incentive to get better. Mm-hmm. But if I tell her great job for working hard on it, then she has an incentive to work hard on it again because she yeah. wants to hear yeah. that compliment again so um so it's it's uh, again i'm I'm just kind of repeating uh uh probably less articulately (laughs) than than most of the growth mindset researchers and thinkers but Mm -hmm. but that's kind of what it boils down to yeah definitely okay well jeremy thank you so much for sharing that experience um and yeah i really I didn't know where it was headed, honestly, when you were talking about the player. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. But no, I really enjoyed hearing that. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. It was my pleasure. All right. I think that we will end things now. But once again, Jeremy, thank you for coming on the podcast. And thank you guys for listening. And take care. Take care.